Amen. Sometimes a person's last words tells you a lot about the person. Uh, here's going to be a few famous last words, and what I want you to do is try to see if you can uh, work out who is the person who said them as their very last words in this life. So there is this one, I have offended God and mankind because my work did not reach the quality it should have. What kind of person would finish their life with those words, that sentiment? Any guesses? Sorry? Jeremy Wales, thank you. I didn't think that I was dead quite yet, but <laughs> um, uh, John Wesley, okay, yep, yep. Um, it is actually Leonardo da Vinci, which makes sense because when people look at the Mona Lisa, what do they say? They go, that's not just mediocre, that is offensively mediocre, offensive to God and mankind. Um, but that's Leonardo for you. He's a, a perfectionist. That's what drove him to the very end. Uh, this one, very last words in this life, get my swan costume ready. What kind of person would say those as your, their last words in this life? Uh, good guess, good guess. Uh, it's actually Anna Pavlova, the, the famous ballerina, uh, passionate about her ballet right to the very end, even wanting to do a bit more that I'm not sure she might have got to. Um, this one. My wallpaper and I are fighting a duel to the death over and uh, one or the other of us must go. Anyone? Oscar Wilde, yes, that is. Uh, the uh, witty humorist, not just during his life, but right to the very last breath. How about this one? Damn it, don't you dare ask God to help me. What kind of person would that be their very last words in this life? Any guesses? Christopher Hitchens, yes, yeah, that, that could be, could be. Um, I, don't, I don't think so, though. It was actually the famous movie star, Joan Crawford. Apparently she said this as her maid started to pray for her, and apparently she's like, well, I've never asked for God's help so far. Why start now? Um, how about this? Remain in my love. Who said that? Does anyone know who said that? Jesus, well done. Sunday school gold star for you. The answer is, in fact, Jesus. Not, I grant you, not as the very last words he said before he died, but as part of the very last words he said to his disciples, his closest followers, just before he died. So John 13, John has just had his last meal with his disciples. He's washed their feet. He's told them he's just about to be betrayed to his death. So chapters 14 to 16 is his farewell speech. And his main concern through these last words to his closest friends are that they remain in his love or to use slightly older English, that they abide in his love. And so actually why we're in this part of the Bible in January, as we start the year, 
Some of us may be wondering, is this the year where actually maybe I should up my commitment to Jesus, take Jesus more seriously? And if you're wondering that, well, through these chapters, Jesus will give you reasons why you should trust and remain in him. But I actually know from talking uh, to other people around village, some of us are actually feeling the opposite of that right now. Some of us are feeling like we, we've followed Jesus for a while, but last year was really hard. And starting the question, is following Jesus actually worth it? In these chapters, 14 to 16, Jesus gives us reasons to stick with him, to remain in him, to abide in him. Start of chapter 14 that uh, Matt read for us, uh, Jesus does that by addressing two big questions, two questions that his disciples actually raise for him as he talks about the fact that he's going away. The two big questions are, is Jesus really the way to God? And can't we just see God now? These are big questions. If you're considering Jesus, whether it's worth uh, trusting and remaining in him, they are questions that you do need to grapple with. And we actually get to do that together tonight with Jesus himself as our guide. So the first question is, is Jesus really the way to God? It's a question that's prompted by what Jesus says first in the chapter where he's talking about uh, he's about to go away to prepare a place for his followers so that they can be with God. And he says to them, you know the way to where I'm going. To which Thomas, his disciple, says, verse 5, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Which kind of makes some sense, doesn't it? But in response, Jesus makes one of his most famous and shocking statements. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You don't need to know where God is, Thomas. You know the way to God. I am the way. Just trust in me. It reminds me actually of when uh, we moved up here from Melbourne and I started under 12s basketball, uh, playing for the Lang Park Lions in Milton. And then there's a game we've got uh, out at Ferning Grove. And because I'm new to Brisbane, the coach asks me, oh, Jeremy, are you right to get there? And uh, without hesitation, I just go, oh, yeah, sure. But to be honest, I actually had zero clue where in the world Ferning Grove was. Uh, it, it does sound like it's out in the bush somewhere, doesn't it? Um, I had no idea back then I'd end up living there, as I do now. Uh, but... But having no idea, I, I actually wasn't worried. I didn't need to know where Ferny Grove was because I knew 
the way to get there. Hop in mum's car, let her work it out. <laughs> you don't need to know where if you know the way. That's what Jesus is saying. He does all the work to bring you to God. He is the way to God. You just need to trust in him. How does he do that? Well, as he said earlier, he, he goes away to prepare a place. He does all the preparation required for you to be with God. What, what does he go away to do exactly? Well, in the rest of John's Gospel, he goes away to die on the cross in our place for our sins to reconcile us to God. That's how Jesus finishes all the preparation required for us to be with God. That's why Jesus is the way to God. He does everything to bring you to God. Which is also why Jesus is the only way to God. It's got to be one of the most unpopular teachings of Christianity, doesn't it? That Jesus is not just a way to God, he is the way to God. Don't you find that a hard teaching when you meet Muslim people who clearly do have a deep awe for Allah? When you meet Hindu people who clearly have a real love and affection for Krishna or other gods, don't you think, is there really no way to God except through Jesus? Well, let's be clear what Jesus is actually saying here. He's not saying other religions are completely empty of all truth and goodness. For instance, the, the Quran says some true and important things about God, like human sin deserves death and judgment after death. That is true and important. Uh, another example, there's many kinds of Hinduism, but, but some of the more philosophical kinds actually really capture well how all living things do come from the same source of life. And deep down, we do all want to reconnect with that source of our existence. The point is not that religions like Islam, Hinduism, Buddhism contain no truth or goodness. The point is that they don't have Jesus. They don't have the one who died for us to, to, to take the punishment for our sins, to prepare our place with the God who made us. Jesus is the only way to God because he's the one who made the way to God. 
The downside, if you realise and accept what Jesus is saying here, the downside is you aren't going to be popular. The upside is you know Jesus has done everything to bring you to God. Uh, you, you hop in the car and he drives you all the way. You just trust in him. He is the way. As you weigh up trusting and remaining in Jesus, bear in mind what he does for you and how you actually can't find that anywhere else. Then this whole discussion prompts the second question from his disciples. Uh, it's effectively, uh, Jesus, why can't we just see God now? So Jesus has been talking about like going away and, and preparing a place for us to be with God, coming back to take us to be with him. Uh, it, it does sound pretty involved, doesn't it? But it's not very clearly defined for the disciples at this point. There's certainly no clear time frames given. So Philip, this time, another disciple, he says, Lord, how about you just show us the Father? <laughs> like, maybe don't worry about all that going away and preparing and coming back, or whatever that means. Like, just show us God now. That's enough for us, isn't it, guys? That's enough. Um, I've told this before, but um, it reminds me how when my kids were little, I'd read the Bible with them before bed and get each of them to pray. But one night, my boy Xander, he says, I don't want to pray. I'm like, why not? He goes, I don't believe in God. I'm like, what? <laughs> He goes, yeah, I can't see God, so I don't believe in him. I'm like, what, has my five-year-old started reading Richard Dawkins? What's going on here? I tell you right now, I wish that I could say to him, oh, you want to see God? Well, here he is. See, Xander? Obviously, I couldn't. That same basic desire to see God now, if in fact God is real, that's actually what Philip expresses here. It's natural, but it shows that Philip still doesn't understand something. It shows that he still doesn't understand who he's talking to right now. Verse 9, Jesus says to him, have I been among you all this time and you don't know me? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. If you want to see God, look at Jesus. If you look at Jesus, you have seen God. Now, John's Gospel has actually been building to this from the very start that Jesus is the Word who, who was God from the beginning, uh, the Word who became flesh and dwelt among us, the Son of God who is also God himself, the one who reveals to us 
the creator God who, would, who has otherwise never been seen. You see God when you look at Jesus. Why? Because he is God who became human so that we humans might know God. Of course, I mean, that does raise so many questions, doesn't it? Uh, for instance, uh, what does it mean for Jesus to be both God's son and God himself? Notice that verse 18, John says both things in the same verse. Feel free to, for text, my, my number's still up on the screen. I'm sure I'll easily be able to answer all the questions you can throw at me. <laughs> or maybe not. Um, uh, but for, for all the intellectual conundrums that this mystery raises, here is the relational payoff. When you know Jesus, you know the God who made you. And that is so much deeper, actually, than just knowing God exists. It means knowing what God is like, what, what kind of God he is. I was talking once with uh, a Christian man, we'll call him uh, Gary. He achieved a lot in life, but he was sharing with me how growing up his dad had actually been violent. In fact, uh, Gary in his career had, had actually fought a lot for justice in the legal profession and, and other contexts. And, and that probably was as a reaction to having undergone that, that abuse, that he had this huge desire to fight for the weak against the strong. But one awful effect of that was that Gary saw God the Father the same way as his dad. So Gary says to me, look, this is how I see God the Father. He is angry and violent and, and, and he actually hates me. But Jesus is so different. Like Jesus is like my loving brother who, who steps in between me and the violent father and, and takes the blows for me to protect me out of love. He says, you know, so I love Jesus. I will never love God the Father. He's got his Bible with him, so I ask him actually to open to John 14, verse 9, uh, where Jesus says, the one who has seen me has seen the Father. And I try to say to him, if you want to know what God the Father is truly like, I know this is really hard, but don't look at your human dad. Look at Jesus. In Jesus, you see his loving heart for you as, as he died to save you. God the Father has the exact same loving heart for you and always has. He's like, well, how do you know? I'm like, because they are the exact same God. Look at Jesus and you see the Father. That is what Jesus himself says. 
Now, Gary's a super smart, strong, probably, if anything, overachiever. But as we're talking, he actually he, he breaks down in tears, I think, because he starts to realize, I actually have a father in heaven who made me, who has actually always loved me deeply, and I just didn't know it. It is worth knowing Jesus because then you really know the God who made you and how much your heavenly father loves you. As I talk to people around Village Church, I know some of us are struggling to keep going with God. And, and some of you actually have said to me, a contributing factor is the way that God feels distant and actually unloving. And look, it is hard to feel any affection, any, any relationship if, if God feels to you like he's distant and, and unloving. But that is not the God that we meet in Jesus. The God you can see in Jesus, he's not just distant. In Jesus, he came to us. And he's not unloving. He is the God who loved you so much that in Jesus he became human to die in your place. To have a relationship with God, to sustain a relationship with God, you you do have to know him as he truly is. And God truly is the God we meet in Jesus. Still following Jesus isn't easy. Um, We're actually going to see that even more so over the next couple of weeks as we see Jesus uh, calling us to the same sacrificial love for each other that he has shown to us. That's not easy. As he calls us to face the same persecution that he faced for us, that's really not easy. But Jesus here gives two big reasons it is worth trusting him and remaining in him, even when it's hard. First, he is the only way to God. By his death for us, he prepared our place with God, so all you have to do is trust him. And second, he he shows us God. The more you know Jesus, the more you know your true heavenly father, the God who made you and how deeply he loves you. If you are struggling to keep going with Jesus, would it help to reflect more on what you have in him? If you're not struggling yourself, who here could you encourage by reminding them of this truth. I hope we all see why it's worth trusting and remaining in Jesus forever. And I'm gonna pray we all do. Maybe you wanna pray with me. Heavenly Father, how can we thank you enough for what you have done in Jesus? 
becoming human, taking on all our weaknesses, all our suffering, dying in our place for our sins against you, that we might be reconciled with you. Father, please help us to see you in Jesus, to know your love for us in Jesus. May that bring us to want to give our whole lives to following him. May that sustain us through our whole lives of following him, especially as it gets hard. We pray this for our good and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.